Oh, hey, the airplanes are back. I love the airplanes. Fucking thank God. They rerouted some planes over our house. It's been really fun trying to record a podcast. Yeah, so if it ever seems like the conversation made a weird fucking jump, it's because we had to wait 25 seconds while the fucking airplane went away. back and listen to last week where you're like you are invited invited sunday it's not sunday it's monday 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 (laughs) so welcome to desert island society uh we forgot completely for weeks and weeks but i am xander and this is madeline and we are here to talk we never (laughs) introduce ourselves about all sorts of fun things if i'm remembering correctly last week you said we were talking about haunted places this week Yes, I did say that. And was it wrong? Yes, it was. No, 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 no. Now here's the thing. When we made that topic, I honestly don't know what I was thinking about (laughs) talking about. We molded over as we were making our lists, and neither one of us could really make this or that heads or tails out of what that was that was going to look like what it was going to sound like on this podcast so we have done some revision yes and i actually folded some of the things i wanted to talk about in that list into the current list oh okay well that's good which is complicated i didn't even have a list for the other topic i was so befuddled by what i was trying to say well i had three of five but i was i was concerned that we would just be rehashing stuff that's already been done. And that's really not what I'm about. Yeah. Like, it's more fun to me to talk about like what we think and what we love and what we're interested in rather than be like, here's some like crack.com Some facts list. about the Queen Mary. Which was not on my list. Well, it's supposed to be one of the most haunted places. And Whatever. it's near The us. most boring places. <laughs> Have you seen pictures of it? No. So they fucking have it in the water floating, right? Yeah. But they built like a seawall around it. Uh, I do know, speaking of Halloween though, one of my favorite YouTubers, Glam and Gore, she does really cool um, FX makeup tutorials and is doing a really cool Halloween series where she does a FX Halloween look in a location that's haunted. So she started, she's like doing all these different haunted locations and one of them was the Queen Mary and she did like a drowned person fx makeup in the queen mary and it was really cool so if you've never watched her videos they're really they're really awesome yeah there but you go that's not what we're talking this about this is today. an unsolicited testimonial there i just really like her channel she's really good anyway we're gonna talk so about what are we gonna talk about <laughs> we're actually gonna talk about not our favorite fx makeup youtubers but our favorite halloween spooky songs <laughs> This is Xander's number one pick. It's not my 
my number one pick, but I do like it. And for those of you wondering, uh, no, I did not sample that. I played it myself. So oh, yeah, you couldn't find a good version. I couldn't find you? the version that I wanted royalty-free, but I found out that the song itself, the sheet music, was in the public domain. So huh. It's just a thing that's that's copyrighted other performances, so I just performed it myself. Yeah. I guess that's how a lot of those like orchestras and stuff get away with that stuff, right? Like, I, they can perform it themselves, but... I have to assume so, yeah. So, rules. I came up with some rules. We talked about the rules ahead of time. You no, know the we rules. did not. Um, we never do. The first rule was the songs do not have to explicitly be about Halloween or be set on Halloween. Like they, But they do have to be seasonally appropriate. And spooky in nature. So, the, the, the litmus test I've been using is that you would have to be able to play it... At a Halloween at party. At a Halloween party. Okay. Like, that's the... It would have to be appropriate to be played. See, because I've been looking, you know, you always kind of Google, uh, at least I do. I have my idea of my list, but I also like to Google, like, best Halloween songs. So I just want to see what other people are thinking. And Hungry Like a Wolf was on a lot. And that's not a Halloween song, just because it mentions a wolf. I don't know. This is this is the tenuous link to seasonal it, yeah, things that I find. It doesn't really have a spooky feel no. to it either. It's about sex. Well, and that's fine. Like, sex can be spooky. But, like, there's no... It, it's like a upbeat, happy-go-lucky <laughs> yeah. dance song. Like, it's a daytime song, and this is sort of not the time for a daytime song. True. So, rule number two, we're talking about the songs themselves, not the video or the promotional material. Like what? So, I had to disqualify the fantastic music video for Backstreet's Back by the Backstreet Boys. <laughs> amazing. Oh, yeah, that is Halloween theme. Halloween theme, but it's not. The song itself is yeah. not. So All right. And then, I uh, we've had this rule come up a couple of times unspoken for different things, but I'm going to finally codify it and give it a name, and then it's going to apply from here on out, uh -huh. unless specifically stated otherwise. And I'm calling this the Carpenter Rule, uh -huh. which is that one song per artist. Normally, we wouldn't have to mention that, but I'm ca I'm calling it the Carpenter Rule because if I did not make that rule, mm -hmm. we would sit here and I would list five John Carpenter songs. Yeah, he does good. He's does got good a work. great sense. So from here on out, on the Desert Island Society, the Carpenter Rule is in effect. If you but violate I love the Carpenter John Rule, John Carpenter, he's just the sweetest old man you ever did see. Wow. You sound like 700 years old when you say that. <laughs> like, you, you sound like you run a corner drugstore. I just love like, it. Do you have any penny candy Every that I can... Every time I think of John Carpenter, I think of when he pointed at me and nodded and then put his sunglasses on, and I felt so <laughs> special. And he's like... And I've never, made to be, I've never been made to feel that special by, like, a 70-year-old man before. My dad makes you feel special That's all true. the time. Your dad does make me feel special. He's going to hear this and be sad. <laughs> so those are the rules. Okay. No repeats, songs, not videos, and they don't have to be explicitly about Halloween, but like, if you if if I don't feel that they're appropriate for a Halloween party, I'm calling you out. Okay. All right, let's go. My very first choice is a Halloween classic, perfect for any fun Halloween party. Oh, and boy, that, where's my wrong button? That is... Werewolf Bar Mitzvah by Tracy Morgan and Donald Glover. Now, if you've never heard this song... I have not. It is a fantastic song. Pause the podcast, go listen to it. It goes something like this. Oh my god. Werewolf Bar Mitzvah, spooky, scary, boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. It's 
literally is that, is that the whole thing that's just the chorus there's a whole story it's like a story song um it's fantastic it is 30 rock at its best and it's also a great halloween song that i've listened to every year since it came out it's so fun it's got a very like monster mash kind of vibe and it's just really fun and i think it's one of those ones that is like for a really fun like silly halloween party and there's lots of different types of halloween parties and halloween experiences and that's like my fun upbeat like cute one and I just it really makes me happy when I listen to it. Is it, it like makes a me full, smile. Is it like a full song? Yeah. Was it released as a song or yeah. is this like a clip from the show? No, it's a full song. Uh, Do you want me to read you some of the lyrics? No, thank you. I'm I'll fine. pull it up right now. You didn't even do your research. No, I have it up on my phone already. I was working late on my, I don't know the Jewish word for Haftorah. Hof, when I heard a knock on my bedroom Adora, I opened it up, and to my surprise, there was a werewolf standing there with glowing gold eyes. He says, tomorrow, my son, you will be a man, but tonight's the time to join the Wolfen clan. Tomorrow you will stand at the bima and pray, but tonight let's gaze at the moon and bay. Werewolf bar mitzvah, spooky, scary, boys becoming men, men becoming wolves. Academy of Motion Picture Arts and Sciences, I was trying to play you out. And you can never do that. I'll no, keep talking forever. You're just gonna fucking go until they sue us. <laughs> they can't they can't sue me for singing their song. They yes, in fact can. Nah. I just wanna be clear that it was all her idea. I tried to stop her. Anyway, you should actually we're gonna listen to our old bar mitzvah together after this because i think you'll actually like it it's fun we will not yes we will please (sighs) well i guess continuing in the theme of silly spooky stuff i only have one thing because i tend to take this holiday more seriously than you do we will have a very interesting christmas song episode that is the inverse of this oh boy (laughs) where i abusively don't care about christmas (laughs) and we'll be playing a whole batch of songs you hate but i picked the monster mash by bobby boris pickett yeah that's on my list too i mean it what halloween party playlist is complete without the monster mash if you don't have the monster mash on your halloween party playlist you've failed you've hosted a terrible halloween party sucks like get real and i think there's something about it that's so charming in the way that it it sort of harkens back to the the universal monsters you know, it reminds me of the sort of spooky but not necessarily threatening older Hollywood stuff. Yeah. And I guess at the time that stuff was probably scary as all fuck. But even by the 50s, that was sort of kid stuff and yeah. horror and sci-fi were, were kid stuff. And I love that about it. I, I love the theming of it. I just love novelty songs in general. Like, there's something about it that I find so amusing. And, and the fact that it plays on that sort of dance craze trend, mm-hmm. but also mixes in the sort of Halloween element and the, the spooky element, just makes me really happy. A fun fact about Monster Mash that you may not know, it was my grandparents' song. Yeah, your grandma told us that. I think that's really nice and cute. And we played it at our wedding. Right. Because we got married on Halloween. Um, did you know the story kind of behind how he decided to record that song? No, I don't. So, um, Bobby, Bo- it's Bobby, Bobby Boris. Boris yeah. Pickett. 
Um, he was actually performing with an, with his band. I think they're called the Cordials, but don't quote me on that part. And he was just for fun doing imitations of Boris Karloff in front of the show and like in between them like setting up their instruments and stuff. And people like loved it so much. They were like, oh my gosh, Bobby, you have to like do this. Like you're amazing at it. And so he got the idea to like record a song and he wanted to do something like based off of the mashed potato dance. Yeah. And so he was like, oh, I'm going to do like a Frankenstein version of that. And then he was able to record the whole thing. And he also was just like very good at impressions because he also does a Bella. Bella. Uh, He does. He does Bella. Yeah. In the song as well. And it was just because he was really good at impressions and people told him he needed to do something with that. And I think that's so fun. I just, it makes, it warms my heart to think about because the story that my grandmother told us is that they're in the, they were in the car together, like out on a date Mm -hmm. and they were sort of starting to get serious. And and she had said, you know, we don't have a song. Everybody has a song. And I think she was expecting, you know, like a love song to play. And so they they decided together the next song that plays on the radio, that's going to be our song forever. And it was the fucking monster match. And like... (laughs) That's my grandfather, who you unfortunately never got to meet. No. But in a nutshell, like if the song, if you say the next song that comes on the radio is our song, and it's the Monster Mash, then for the rest of time, that's what like, that's how it is. And and he was always so good about like, pick something and stick with it. Yeah. And so it's a I always get a really warm, fuzzy feeling, and I love that story that they were just sort of like, hey, you're good at this, let's do that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I think it's really cool, and it did hit number one on the charts the week before Halloween, um, the year that they put it out, and it's kind of been a perennial favorite ever since then. Well, yeah, I mean, that that one-off is like your legacy now. Mm -hmm. I also have to say, I love the original version, and that's the one on my list, but I have to put an addition in there for the Mater uh, version (laughs) in Cars Land in, in California Adventure because I freaking love the Mater ride at Dis- at California Adventure and they changed all of their songs to that be like really spooky fun. songs yeah. and he does like a version of the monster I can't remember what it's called like uh, the monster truck mash or something and it's remember. so cute and I love it You do you love that Mater I ride I love it <laughs> It's like your favorite ride it's and the so songs and the whole thing like It's just so cute that, that I just love it. I love the way that they redid that whole thing that with him in the costume and like all mm-hmm. of the posters changed to be scary posters and Yeah, Disneyland does does Halloween right. Not as not as good as Universal, but but well. Well, I don't know. I think their park theming is better, yeah. definitely, but they're targeting a different audience. You miss out on the on the the horror. The fun of it. Well, since I since that was a double up, so you tell me your second one. Okay, so that was one for me, but two for you. Yeah. So, uh, rolling our last, our former topic of discussion about haunted places. Sure. The song that makes me think of haunted places is Voodoo by Godsmack. Okay. Which seems like an off-the-wall choice for those no, of you. No, no, It's very spooky sounding. It is very spooky sounding, and I like the sort of spooky vibe of it on its own. But that was the theme song for the for Fear on MTV, which was oh, that yeah. show where they took those people... Two of the li- things on my list, the the Danvers State Hospital and Eastern State Penitentiary, were both on that show. And that song always conjures up that very creepy opening montage that they had. And I really loved that show. And I wait, you guys really need to bring that out on DVD so your boy can buy it. Because I have a bad torrented copy, but like... Bad, Sander, bad. You no can't torrenting. buy it. You can't buy it. And I, I'm surprised they haven't rebooted it or something. 
Well, yeah, and if they rebooted it, it would suck, though. Because, like, now all of the things that they were sort of pioneering at the time have become tropes of sort of reality TV. So now it would be stupid. Yeah. Now they would... Also, I feel like the camera technology has come too far for that show to work anymore. <laughs> well, they can give them, you know, iPhone 4s. But I... Did you ever watch that show? I think we watched an episode together. It was pretty spooky. Yeah, it's awesome. And that song is so creepy. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great title um, song to use yeah. for that. And uh, I was... I don't remember how old I was, but I fucking loved it must have been 11 or 12 because i was super into godsmack mm -hmm. like super into godsmack and i i make no apologies like i still think those three records are really fun not good maybe but fun and i like them and you know we don't believe in guilty pleasures here at i'm not saying I'm not, society. I'm not saying so you it's great that you guilty. like them yeah i know i was just letting everybody else know i mean i like i said i make no apologies i think they're fun and if you don't if you're one of those people who, like, is too cool for school about this stuff, like, fuck you. Get lost. Fight me. Yes! Ha ha! Fight me! Oh. I was worried. I almost forget. Dude, having a catchphrase is very stressful. <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm gonna have to start punching Say the you. line, Bart! <laughs> but, no, I, I think that having guilty pleasures is stupid. I think that if you like something, you should like it. Yeah, that's what it, I was saying i think that people have attached weird value judgments to the things that you like or don't like mm -hmm. and it doesn't make any sense to me because i at least for me and i don't know i've only ever been me so i don't know how other people feel but i can't help what i like yeah you know i either enjoy something or i don't and there are things that i like that i don't support for other reasons whatever they might be usually it's that the person who made it is a bastard and while new metal in general is pretty cringeworthy uh, those songs are cool as fuck and introduced me to sea tooting, which I used to great effect myself. So. <laughs> I think that's a great choice. All right, what do you got? So another another song I have is kind of a classic, which is This Is Halloween. Ugh, I knew you were going to say Okay, here's the thing, and I picked the Marilyn Manson version because it's the spooky. <laughs> Stop judging me. I don't make moaning songs at your picks. I support you and love you. And I go, oh, what a great choice. I can see how you'd pick that. And you always hate on my stuff. Ugh. Anyway, I don't really think that you Nightmare Before set Christmas... set me up. You <laughs> let me give that whole speech. So I want to tell y'all a little story about what I like to call the Kardashian rule. <laughs> Which is... Anything that I say doesn't apply to Kim Kardashian or her family. <laughs> so, because whenever I'm like, you know, I think the world's a pretty groovy and okay place. Like, she will lead me down this primrose path of righteousness and then be like, so it's okay for people to, to only watch Keeping Up with the Kardashians and not ever read the news because whatever you like is whatever you like. And then I'm like, fuck, I guess not. <laughs> yeah, I guess there are fucking limits to this. And you set me up. You let me give that whole speech, and they're like, well, what about the most hot topic thing let that ever me, existed? Let me explain my choice. I think that Nightmare Before Christmas, this topic of whether it's a Christmas or a Halloween movie, is very debated, I think, amongst a lot of people. Uh, debated by who? People. The, no. Debate implies two equal sides. Are there not two equal sides? No. Yeah, there are. No, there's not. It's pretty split. The people who think it's a Halloween movie are wrong. 
Anyway, I don't really think it's a Halloween movie because most of it takes place on Christmas, but this song is a very Halloween song. I'll grant you and that. It is, especially in the Marilyn Manson version where he brings a little bit less of the funness to it and a little bit more of the, like, spookiness. In my defense, did my hands ever go near the wrong button? No, but your eyes did. I never called you. <laughs> I never even thought about calling you out. Anyway. I think it's a fine choice. I think it makes it actually spooky. Like, if if you haven't ever listened to that version, there are parts of that song that, when sung by Marilyn Manson, actually make you feel a little bit uneasy because of the way that he does the things that he does. And I don't love Nightmare Before Christmas, so I like it. I feel like it's been kind of ruined for me by the people who are obsessed with it, like so many things. Like, it's like Rick and Morty, basically. <laughs> In which... Cold-blooded. Um, but I do think this is a great Halloween song. It kind of brings in all of the all the spooky Halloween aspects to the song, and you can kind of feel the chill in the air when you listen to it. And I think it, it it definitely has its place at a Halloween party. It's one of those ones a lot of people know too, so it's fun to sing along with. I'll give you that. I I think the issue for me is that it conjures up every time I hear it. Mm -hmm. I don't hear it. I j it just conjures up this guy I went to high school with who has since passed. Sure. And he really liked this song, and he was such a dickhead about it. <laughs> because I'll never forget one year, the year before my senior year of high school, Slayer toured with Marilyn Manson. Yeah. And I don't know if you know this about me, but in 2007, I was about Slayer. Like, my life... For Slayer. I was one of those fucking people who would scream Slayer at the top of my lungs. Intenso. Any provocation. I had a Slayer belt buckle. It was the logo. It was so fucking cool. But the problem with Slayer belt buckle logo is that there's a lot of sharp edges on that. Oh, and so all of my jeans had holes where the S and the R ended. <laughs> because I would sit down at school and it would wear holes into my pants. And I wore it every fucking day. Fucking Slayer. I was about that shit. And he was super into Marilyn Manson to the point that, like, I don't know. He may have owned clothing that did not say Marilyn Manson on it. But mm -hmm. I don't recall ever seeing him not wearing one of those shirts and the trip pants. And all I see is is that kid and, like, a couple of his friends who would just, like, fawn over Nightmare Before Christmas. It was, like, the only thing that, like, I don't know that there was ever a time... Where more than one of them did not have a Nightmare Before Christmas branded yeah. piece of merchandise on. And I think that put me off of goth at culture for a really long time. Because that was my perception of what it was. Is that you had to like... Your favorite song had to be the Marilyn Manson version of This Is Halloween. <laughs> um, which I, I think Hot Topic may have made 50% of their gross sales off of, off of Nightmare Before Christmas merchandise. Here's the thing. I have got to give it up to Hot Topic for one thing. What's that? Which is, they took one logo and sold it to a bunch of kids twice. Because the Misfits logo is just a white skull on a black background. <laughs> and the Jack Skellington logo is just a white skull on a black background. And they sold those kids the same shirt with a very slightly different skull on it. You do have to admit, the part at the end of the song where Jack Skellington has the flaming pumpkin on his head, and he's like... I am the pumpkin king. And then he goes in that well and he comes out as a skeleton. That's pretty dope. Yeah. 
That's the reason I don't like that movie, though. Why? It's because that is the last moment of that movie where it kicks ass. And you watch the first scene, you're like, this movie's going to be fucking awesome. <laughs> and then he's sad the rest and of the then time. He's, well, no, I don't, I'm fine with him being sad. But, like, now he's wearing a fucking... He goes from wearing, like, a flaming pumpkin head and being, like, the fucking pumpkin, pumpkin king... king to being a guy wearing a fucking Victorian goth nonsense and wandering around. He's also such a dickhead. Like, <laughs> he's the worst character in that movie. Like, Sally's awesome. Poisoning her dad. <laughs> Subverting her crazy boyfriend's plans. Like, she's the only resourceful person in it. And then those three kids who work for Oogie Boogie are also pretty Why do they let those kids hang out with Oogie Boogie? The Dr. Quacktopus or whatever that fucking guy's name is, is like super fucking psychologically abusive to his daughter. Like that's I true. feel like that's a very dysfunctional town. Halloween Town has some problems. And like a dangerously bipolar mayor <laughs> whose face literally turns around. Like... I think that's part of the reason, too, is that, like, oh, har, har, he's a two-faced politician. How funny. <laughs> like, sometimes... I get into arguments with people about that movie a lot because I'm like, if you want to talk about kooky, spooky Tim Burton, I would much rather watch Beetlejuice. Sure. Which is, like, way... The similar, very, like, funny, non-threatening, but, like, I find that it's just a, a more fun movie. Mm-hmm. I love Tim Burton. I love Tim Burton's collaborations with Danny Elfman. Who has made some of the great theme songs of our time? I just think that that's not one of their better works. Okay, what's your next one? My next one, I'm, we're gonna stick with soundtracks, and I'm gonna go with the obvious fucking lowball one that we all knew was gonna be here. So I have the Halloween theme by John Carpenter because of fucking course I do. Le shock. Yeah, flabbergasting. Truly an outrageous day. None of us will ever forget. And I. Do specifically have this the version from Halloween two? Yeah, that's your fave. With the awesome octave synth thing at the beginning, because I just think it's fucking badass, and it reminds me again. And I think I've managed to work this into every single episode we've done this month. It reminds me of those AMC horror thons that I used to watch, and like that's how that movie starts. They play like that very quick recap of the end of the first movie. And Dr. Loomis comes over the the balcony and looks down. And he's not there. And they start the, the super low synth. And he walks outside. And the guy's like, is this another prank? I've been trick-or-treated to death tonight. And he turns to me and goes, you don't know what death is. And the song starts. And it's just fucking awesome. <laughs> I do like the new one, too. So, yeah. I did want to say, like... We went and saw the new one. This is kind of a sidebar. We went and saw the new Halloween. Spoiler alert. I will actually, what I'm going to do is I'm going to talk about it first in general terms. And then I'm going to, spoiler alert, spoiler wolf, and we're going to talk a little bit more about it. Okay. Because I I don't want to spoil it for people who haven't seen it. Although it has been out for three days now and it's your fucking fault if you haven't seen it. Uh, I was foiled for going for my second time today. I will probably go tomorrow if I can finish editing this in time. So, loved it. I think yeah. the, from it the top, really good. it was amazing. The soundtrack, so when they said John Carpenter was coming back to do the soundtrack, I don't know if other people thought this, but I was like kind of whatever about that. Like I'm excited because I like him, but I kind of didn't figure that meant anything. I sort of felt like that meant that they were going to just sort of recycle the old music more sure. or less. And then a few weeks before it came out, I read something else that was like, oh, it's not 
he didn't do it by himself. He brought Cody in, Cody Carpenter, his son. And they make awesome music together. And they make amazing music together. Mm -hmm. And so, of all the things that I was surprised by, and there were a few really great surprises, my favorite surprise of the whole viewing experience was how amazing the almost completely original soundtrack was. Yeah. Like, they obviously they reuse the theme, and they use a couple of the little cues, but they don't do the... The big da na na except as like a little tiny thing, and they don't do the da 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 very much, and that was another mm-hmm. one that was big, and I really appreciated that they they took it to another level, and the soundtrack is fucking relentless. Yeah, it's really good. Uh, I was listening to it while we were doing pre-show, getting set up, just because I we went out immediately the next night and bought it. Because it's such a great soundtrack. Um, I did want to shout out a couple of honorable mentions while we were in John Carpenter. Because I had four other John Carpenter's uh, songs that I, and scores that I wanted to shout out. And like I said, I had to make the Carpenter rule to avoid having my list be just John Carpenter songs. Obviously, The Fog, the opening theme to The Fog is fucking amazing. I did not like it in the movie, but I really love the Assault on Precinct 13 song specifically the anthology version that they re-recorded with cody chariots of pumpkins from halloween 3 which is super cool they many people don't know that carpenter came back to do this the music for halloween 3 and it was awesome brief sidebar to halloween 3 how many sidebars are okay hold on the last one is mouth of madness which is an awesome movie and if you haven't watched it stop listening now and go watch it I read the most amazing fan theory about Halloween. You know how I feel about fan theories. Mm-hmm. I fucking hate fan theories. I think it's really stupid. But I read the most amazing fan theory about Halloween 3 and how it fits into the rest of them. And it, their whole thing is like in the first nine movies, the reason Michael Myers can't be killed is because he's actually killed at the end of 2 and is one of the fucking robots. Whoa. And they go way into detail about it. I'll link to That's the article. That's a good theory. I will link to the article in the show notes because they had like a really, I mean, it's bullshit obviously, but they had a really cool, pretty compelling argument about how the curse of thorn that comes up in four, not really, it doesn't really come up until six, but they sort of show the tattoo and I know they show it in five, but it doesn't matter that being in a cult druid group, like they totally would be working with the druid guy from three yeah, and that it would absolutely make sense for them to like need to fulfill their curse. They have to make this robot. And I was like, that's awesome. That's interesting. I'm a huge fan of this as an idea. Yeah. And then they showed a single still from six where he's like bleeding gunk instead of blood. And they, you know, they bleed the gunk. Yeah. Also that Dick Warlock, awesome name. Played Michael Myers in two also played one of the robots at the beginning of three. That's an interesting theory. So like I said, I don't normally go in for that stuff, but I thought that was really clever. Yeah, for sure. So back to Halloween. Here's the spoiler wolf. I'm going to wait another couple of seconds. Yeah, you can. We'll put timestamps maybe in the description so you can fast forward. Maybe. I don't know. Fuck yourself. <laughs> I, love, I, I loved the mask. You know, that was first of all, that's like the big thing for me. I get really angry about the mask. I thought they showed the face. I thought they showed his face a little too much, and I was gonna. I was really ready to be pissed about it, but it was in service of that amazing mask up scene, yeah. Which 
wouldn't, I don't think, have worked without it the way that they did it. And so I'm ready to let that go. Yeah, and I also think, we were talking about this when we left the theater, I think them showing a little bit more of his face goes in service of kind of the hypothesis of the movie or like the thesis, which is that like taking away that all the rest of the movies about he's like this indestructible monster, he's not a man. I think that showing him a little bit more was trying to like humanize him and make him seem more like a man, like a crazy serial killer man, but giving him a little bit more of humanity and less of like an otherworldly being. Is that how you were reading it? Yeah, a little bit. That's interesting because I was reading it as he's a man until he puts the mask on. And the mask is the thing that changes. I mean, not changes him, but that when he's wearing the mask, he is no longer, there's no part of him that's even remotely human. Yeah. I agree with that, but they never show you him without the mask before, so I think they're showing you that kind of duality of it. And I did think they did a good job of really being pretty cagey with it. Mm -hmm. There was really only one moment where I was like, uh, too much. And the masking scene where like you see sort of his cheeks and stuff as he's pulling the mask on, and then the light changes, and so his eyes are completely blacked out when he puts the mask on. You know I've said before, I'm sure on this podcast, a big thing for me is that he doesn't have, that there's not really like a form to him. Yeah. Underneath the mask. That he's the shape. So I really loved that. The kills were really good. Mm, some of them are really brutal too. Yeah. Especially that guy. I don't remember his name now. Oscar. Yeah, Oscar got it bad. Yeah. Although that was a really cool gag. It like was the really, way that they really put cool. it together. Although I think the cop who got his fucking face turned into a jack-o'-lantern. Yeah, that was the not, worst. That was not ideal. But I think Jamie Lee Curtis was amazing. Judy Greer was amazing. I think the entire cast was really Yeah, everybody really did good. a really a really solid job. I loved the kid, the little kid. Yeah, he was great. The guy who played the sheriff's deputy was really good. Mm-hmm. I forget his name. He's been in a bunch of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I feel bad for not knowing his name because he was really good. I loved the symmetry in the third act. Yes. Where they did the thing where they lit her from behind when she was behind. Or they lit her with the dial yeah. when she was behind him just like he was behind her. Mm-hmm. And then she shoves him down the stairs like she fell down the stairs. I was like, y'all. That was so cool. And the, wind, the part where she falls out the window and then he goes and he looks... And she's not there anymore. Oh my gosh, that was so good. I think everyone in the theater started clapping. Yeah, that was that was the big clap moment. Because, yeah. you know, it feels good. It was exactly what a sequel should be, where it added enough new stuff that you didn't feel like you'd seen it before. But it also, like, there was just perfect amount of winks and nods to you. Yeah, stuff like and like that. perfect Easter eggs of the Halloween 3 masks that, that those was kids cool. were wearing. I was reading and I didn't notice this and maybe you did because you're way better at that stuff. They were saying that the song that the man and his like dancing son, the son that like just wanted to dance and not want, didn't want to hunt, yeah. that the song that they were listening to was like Laurie singing from the first movie, but like a remix of that. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, I just read that today. That's fun. I'll have to look into yeah. that. My favorite, I think, of the, the little shout outs, other than the awesome fucking having the masks which i'm a big fan of i love those masks and i i like that they're like hey that movie's cool too uh was the gas station because the gas station sequence played off of four and h2o Mm -hmm. and they like remixed two sequences from those movies in a way that i thought was really interesting yeah the remixing of the escape scene was really cool Mm -hmm. 
And then like the little thing with the with the harpoon knife and the yeah, the which Ahab you had to, thing. you had to sh- you had to point that out to me because I didn't recognize. I really that. liked that as like a shout out to people who are sort of slasher fans to say like, hey, this is a this is a nod to you like. And they lingered on it long enough that you understood that this is an important, like it's it's intentional. Yeah. I was not. I'm not. I'm still not sold on that arc. Mm-hmm. But what I have to remind myself when I think about the movie is how I felt leaving. Yeah. And any nitpicking I do is over overruled by the fact that I just was like all smiles. I'm sure if you looked over at me at any time during the thing, I had this just giant grin on my face. I really loved it. Yeah, I I was feeling emotional towards the end, like as I knew it was wrapping up because it's pretty obvious when it's about to end. Yeah. And I'm like, I started feeling really emotional, like almost like I wanted to cry, but like not because I was upset or or sad or whatever or scared. It was just like, I feel like it's so rare that you go into something with like medium high or high expectations and it meets or surpasses all of them. Like, Yeah. yeah. And I haven't been really wowed by anything in a while. There's been a lot of things that I had no expectations for and I enjoyed, but it's been a while since I've been really excited for something and I wasn't disappointed. And I think that made me feel like, oh my gosh, they got this right. They they were listening to fans. These people obviously love, love Halloween. They love John Carpenter and the, the care that he put into the film. And they put just as much care and they really did the thing. They did right. it. And I'm I'm really happy for them. I, I, I'm very pleased. And I think, you know, I have been satisfied by movies a lot lately. And there's stuff that I had high expectations for that I was satisfied with. But with horror sequels, you always run that risk of crushing disappointment. So, like, I was really impressed by Infinity War. Mm-hmm. But I didn't feel like... I knew that they were going to do a good job because they meet a certain baseline level of expectation. Now they knocked it out of the park with that, but I was ex- I had it's like Pixar. Yeah, like, like I you expect know you it's to do be at good. Least a B. You better fucking because do well because you always do. Yeah. Whereas, I don't feel that way about the Halloween sequels. They're they're really pretty hit or miss. Yeah. Horror sequels in general, especially reboots. Mm-hmm. Although I will. Credit where credit's due. Although this is the only one of the three that has sort of critically gotten the, the thumbs up. Mm-hmm. This and the Friday the 13th reboot were both really good. Yeah, I was going to ask you. We did, obviously, we did horror sequels um, two weeks ago. Would you have this Halloween replace any of those in your list? I don't think so. Purely because I haven't had enough time to sit with it. Sure. And how are you going to replace a movie you've watched 120 times with something you saw once? Yeah. I do think that if we do it next year, it might be on my list. Yeah. And I think that it definitely earns its place in the Pantheon. And unlike some of the sequels that I really love, is not in spite of its flaws. Yeah. It's like a really good fucking movie. Now here's the serious, here's the serious question. Who is a better child to Lori? Josh Hartnett? Or Judy Greer. Josh Hartnett in a heartbeat. The new Halloween is a better movie. Mm-hmm. But Josh Hartnett is like, you need to get over this trauma that you're suffering and you need to get your fucking life together. But he's not like... Mean about it. A total psycho white lady <laughs> bitch about it. She doesn't pull that suburban Midwest mom, I know everything crap. Yeah. Although I do wonder like for Judy Greer's character, 
um, who I can't remember what her name is. I don't remember either. But Karen. Karen. She, of course, she, because of course it is. <laughs> Come on, Karen. She did get you know taken away by child services. Well, I know. I think she that, had a rough upbringing. Yes, she put herself together a little bit worse, but you have to understand that she didn't live her whole life assuming that guy was still out there. Whereas Josh Hartnett, you know, while he may have thought that she was being unreasonable, they both knew that he they never caught him. Yeah. Like that he was still out there. So that I think is part of it. But also that he's like, you need to grow up and fucking chill. But he also was ready to jump in at a moment's notice. And when she started freaking out, he was ready to, you know, help. Whereas like Karen didn't want to help and put a lot of people, a lot of people died because Karen wouldn't. Yeah. Get her shit Although I loved one of my favorite parts in the whole movie was when she's like, Mom, mom she's like in yeah. the in the cellar and she's like, Mom, I can't do it. I can't do it. I need you and then Michael, like, you see his shadow and he steps into the doorway and her face just immediately turns and she's like Gotcha. Gotcha and she shoots him in the freaking face and it's amazing. And I like the acting on that was just phenomenal yeah. because her entire her face completely changed. body and demeanor, like it's like a, almost an entirely different person. And like for her to switch like that, yeah. and it was like it was just evident that yeah, she had been trained like her whole life to do this, yeah. and she, even though she had resisted it for her entire adult life, when the time it came, came back to her, when it when the time came, she was like gonna be there for her daughter and for her mom. I loved that. I loved the ending. And I would like to take another fight me moment to step out. <laughs> so a lot of critics, because right now what's really cool, what's trendy in among the critical reception is to say, like, I love this, but don't do another one. And I'm with that. Like, I, I don't think that it needs another sequel. And I, I, I mean, I'll go because, and that's why they keep making them is because right. I'm going to go no matter what. But they, like, teased uh, because... He's supposedly killed at the end of the movie. Fuck off. Like, it's a Halloween movie. That's pretty much how they all end. <laughs> Get shit on. I, in fact, the only one that he is point Like, he's pointedly still alive in one and five. But, like, otherwise he tends to... Like, did he get defeated? Did he not? You know? So, they tease that he might still be alive at the end of it by having, like, him breathing. Yeah. Despite the fact that that mirrors the end of the first film, uh, fuck yourself. On top of that, like that's a, a musical cue and not a. I don't think that's part of the story. And even if it is, have you ever seen a slasher movie before? That's how they all end. It would have been disingenuous to not end it that way. Sure. And if you're talking about what is essentially a love letter to slasher films in general, not just the Halloween franchise, it would have been disingenuous to end it any other way. And I do love that shot. Again, I, I'm, we're still talking spoilers. We haven't stopped. Where he's on fire and he like doesn't move at all. And they he doesn't take his eyes off at them, them at yeah. all. Loved it. So let's spin off of that. This is the moment where we're spoil, you know, spoilers off. We're not going to talk about it anymore. But definitely go see the movie. If yes. you haven't seen it, it's really good. Especially if you love the Halloween one. And you just love horror movies. It's really good. Yes. So, so we're going to spin off. You have another one. Yeah. So my next choice, I was trying to decide which of my last two. Like, do I go, do I end with a classic or do I end with like a not classic? I tend to end with my big gun. Yeah. I feel like I'm going to end with a classic. So for a not classic, but a great choice for any horror 
or Halloween Party is Living Dead Girl by Rob Zombie. And honestly, most Rob Zombie songs count here. Living Dead Girl just happens to be one I think is widely applicable and fun. And I feel like Living Dead Girl is like the sexy cat costume of the of music. the Rob Zombie catalog. <laughs> yes. Oh Which man. That it's like fuck. You like it? <laughs> Shot fired. No, I didn't mean it as mean as it sounded, but like I really like that song, but it's like the easiest, yeah. funnest, most accessible, sexiest choice. And you're going to find it at a lot of Halloween parties. And it's a great dancing song if you're going to a more, like, dancey party, like a college sort yeah. of thing or young 20s. And it's definitely got that spooky vibe. And it's just a good choice. It's a good it's song. It's just a really fun I, song. I had this on my list, and I took it off at the last second to make room for something else. But I was sort of waffling between this and, and Super Beast, yeah. which is a little bit more my speed, a little mm-hmm. harder to dance to, and a little <laughs> bit more aggressive. But Rob Zombie is like, I'm going to I'm gonna say this, like the 300 of music, where the biggest issues that he's facing is that he's so often imitated yeah. to the point that it's become cliche. And I think that if you didn't experience it to some degree as it was happening... It's never going to be anything but super cliche to you. Sure. I just realized I missed, like, the best transition opportunity, which was that Rob Zombie did a Halloween movie and also wrote this song. Why? Why did I miss that opportunity? It's funny. I'm, I'm sort of... I've I've fallen out of love with his first movie. Really? Which I did really like when I first like saw it. You don't like his Halloween one? I love his Halloween 2, and I like the last 75% of his first one, but that that opening bit is just so... That kid is so annoying. I tried to watch it the other day, and I could not get through it. You don't like young Michael? I hate him. He is a very... they. I, I'm sure that guy is probably fi- fine, but... They make him very unlikable and very unattractive in the way well, that they, like, make him look. And I know that's on purpose, yeah. but I do think it, like, it's supposed to make you feel weird because he is going to later kill, kill of tons people. of people. But it does make it not that fun, you know? Like, yeah. you're like when you have, like, an unlikable protagonist to your movie, you're kind of like, well, I don't know. Do I care? Is this fun? I don't know. And I did like, I guess, cycling back just briefly, that they sort of incorporated some of Rob Zombie's... Like, Tyler Mains, Michael Myers, physicality into the new one. Yeah. Where he was a little bit more, like, a fucking football player. Yeah, like, a little bit more of a brawler yeah. than he had been in the past. But staying with Rob Zombie, because I do want to not just turn this into, like, a 45-minute discussion on the new Halloween. I love that song. The lyrics don't make any fucking sense at all. <laughs> and I thought I just didn't understand them. Like, but... Donna Reed eats dollar bills. So that, that part of that song always sounds wrong to me uh-huh. because I saw it live a couple of times. But I saw it, I saw Rob Zombie at the Blue Note in Columbia. A sold out, completely sold out show. And I'll, I'll never forget, I had my like high school like slasher movie moment almost because I was in German class when I got the text that a friend of mine had gotten the tickets. And I was like, yes! And like completely like interrupted the whole class. And it was, I like completely embarrassed myself. I thought you were going to recount the memory of when that person was like, play Dragula. And he was like, we already played that song. I told you, John, they all sound the same. (laughs) 
No, when I think about Dragula Live, what I think about is the fact that we saw Rob Zombie again some years later at Mayhem Festival. Mm -hmm. And he was a lot of fun. That was a really good show. show. And they played after Five Finger Death Punch, who suck (laughs) bad. I don't know if they sucked or if we just don't like Five Finger Death Punch. And the worst Mastodon set I've ever seen. So, like, they were... They were coming at, frankly, your discovery of Children of Bodom, because I already like Children of Bodom. That was like your first experience with them. Yeah. And like the general surprise of how good Huntress was are what saved that day. Yeah. From, and, and Rob Zombie. From being a total loss. But Rob Zombie was really good. Mm-hmm. And he played his whole set and it was really cool. And then they like go dark and they're going to do the encore. All right. So the only song they haven't played that they're like, that they're going to play is Dragula. And we all know that. Yeah. And then on the screens, the big screens, they have, like, the car. The, because Dragula is the car from the Munsters. And this girl who's sitting with us was like, what song is it? What is it going to be? And I'm like, what the fuck do you mean what song is it going to be, you idiot? What fucking song could it possibly be? First of all... He's just going to play Living Dead Girl again. First of all, you should know anyway. Because you should be able to, by process of elimination, understand what song is right. going to be played. But also... If you're really that, because she had like a Rob Zombie t-shirt and like a, the living dead girl art tattooed on her arm. And I'm like, if you're that big of a fan, you should know what the fucking car is. Yeah, you should. Cheese and crackers. Cheese and crackers, indeed. Other fun fact about Rob Zombie, not fun fact, but one of the things that I, I, I want to just say, because it's kind of a bitchy thing that I like to say, is that the guitar player in Rob Zombie is this guy, John Five, who I am ready to put... To fight somebody over deserves a place in the pantheon of like top five to ten living guitar players. Like he is one of the most talented guitar players walking the earth right now. He played like the national anthem with his teeth when we saw. And he played <laughs> like some insane fucking guitar solo. Like he is, and he that is like putting a Lamborghini engine in a in a bird <laughs> scooter. Yeah, like he is so criminally underutilized. It would be, again, I I do. I think it's like putting a jet engine on a kite. Yeah. Like, I could be the guitar player in Rob Zombie tomorrow. I learned how to play a Rob Zombie song when I was learning how to play guitar. And that's not to his detriment. No, I think that simple songs are badass, and he does a really good job. But, like, you don't need one of the world's best guitar players to do that. And if that's not a metaphor for where we are as a society with, like, you need all this on-the-job experience. You know, you need to do an internship before you can get a job and all this. Like, people want you to be a jet engine for a fucking kite. <laughs> because there's so much competition for the jobs that they can demand to have the jet engine. And I find that really frustrating. For sure. Uh, John Five, incidentally, scored the painfully boring Rob Zombie film, Lords of Salem. Oh, I never saw it. It sucked. Unlike a lot of his work, which is like, yeah, it was okay, or like you know, okay, tending to good or okay, tending to bad. That was bad. It was just stupid. Nothing happens for a really long time, and the problem is, the central character is going insane. Yeah. In the movie, so most of what's happening is sort of unspoken, and it's happening just to her, which would be great if she could act. But it's his wife, and I have a lot of respect for the fact that he's like, look, it's my movie. I'm gonna cast my wife because I love her and I think she's great. Right on, brother. I would do it too. But she can't fucking act. And so she sort of like looks at the wall and looks kind of sick and then looks at a different wall and looks kind of sick and it just sucks ass. But the score is fucking killer. And I love it. 
and John Five did a really good job. Good job, John Five. And I have a lot of respect for Rob Zombie for also naming his movie after one of his songs that he already had, which I think is cool. Because <laughs> like I don't know if he did the song The Devil's Rejects before the movie came out, and I don't know if he did the song uh, House of a Thousand Corpses before the movie came out, but I I saw them play Lords of Salem live in 2006. <laughs> and we were dating when the movie came out, so... Yeah, he should stop with that. Also, Rob Zombie, you broke my heart, and I'll never forgive you. Because Rob Zombie was set to direct a Broad Street Bullies movie about the 70s Philadelphia Flyers, which would have been fucking amazing. That would have been cool. Because it's like still 70s grindhouse-y, but it would have been like a regular-ass movie. And I feel like the Rob Zombie blood and gore sports movie would have been awesome. And instead he did that 31 movie, and it fucking sucked. I never saw it either. I don't care about clowns. So... Shame on you, Rob Zombie. You had an opportunity to make a really cool movie and instead made a really stupid movie, and I'll never forgive you for that. I did cut you, Rob Zombie, from my list for my number four pick. Which is? Which is Somebody's Watching Me by Rockwell. I always feel like somebody's watching me, and I got no privacy. Well, that is actually Michael Jackson, who's singing the backup on that song. And that's why it helps to have your dad own Motown Records when you're doing a record. That does help. (laughs) I wish my dad owned Motown Records. Right? It worked for the LMFAO guys. It works (laughs) for for Rockwell. Get that. I mean, it's a one-hit wonder. You didn't really do a whole lot else because you don't have Mike on every song. That's a good song. It's so good he could elevate other people's songs. But it is. It's so creepy and fun. And like... Fun to sing along with. Fun to sing along with. And I like Rockwell. I don't care what anybody says. I think he's great. Yeah. I like that one. It's a good one. It's got that spooky but fun vibe to it. And I think that the, it's the keyboard part that really sells that song. Mm-hmm. Like the Michael Jackson hook obviously helps, as Rihanna has proven time and again. Having a more successful artist sing your hook always a good decision, a great way to like get some followers. But I think it's the awesome key part and the way that it sort of captures that that very Vincent Price feel to it. And I almost put, like, actually having Vincent Price in it, Thriller, but I like this song better. Well, oh, you did didn't, you have, did you you didn't pick it, but I did pick, I think, if you don't play, Thriller is probably, I would say, aside from Monster Mash, maybe the, the number one or two most popular classic Halloween songs and that's why it is the last to round out my list. Sure, because it's a great song. It's just a classic. It's fun. It's spooky. You got Vincent Price. You got the amazing Michael Jackson. You have that amazing music video. Which, although I was say, I did say at the beginning, like the video doesn't count to qualifying. The song qualifies on its own, and the yeah. video is awesome. Just is a, it's decoration on top i forget who directed that video i feel like it was john landis but i don't know so we're gonna call in the research fairy here because i know scorsese did one too or one of those fucking guys but i think it was john landis who did this so research fairy you mean to tell me after all the crazy conjecture y'all been spouting this whole episode this is the only time i'm gonna get a call yes it was john landis you're right but i'm still mad about it thanks research fairy yeah and the video was great and i think the video is definitely enhances the spooky feel of it and honestly my favorite part is the vincent price part his like talking part is so spooky and good and it like makes your your like your spine tingle and your hair stay on end and it's just like so fun it's 
I think it's the perfect mix of spooky and fun, like Thriller is. It's got the spooky and it's got the fun, and one doesn't like doesn't detract from the other. Yeah, and it's like it's perfect for all ages. If you grew up with it, then you maybe you know the Thriller dance, and maybe you don't. But do you know the Thriller dance? I do. And I don't. I recently DJed a wedding in Pittsburgh. Did you do it? Where I played this song and I watched a bunch of super drunk people do the Thriller. Did you dance. do it with them? No. Oh. I mean, my whole persona is being sort of vaguely annoyed. So. <laughs> but I just think Thriller is the best. It's great. It's a classic, and Vincent Price is amazing. And I don't think you can have a Halloween party without playing. No, not Thriller. at all. I also want to shout out as an honorable mention the um, the Aquabats Fashion Zombies, where they they play off of the the inter the Vincent Price interlude, and it's awesome in that too. That's cool. Okay, what's your last so one? So my last one, this one was hard. This was the hardest one of all of them because I went through about 30 songs by the same band to try to, f- to fit in this spot. And when I finally settled on, and a lot of people are going to roll their eyes because neither of us picked a Misfits song. Oh, yeah. And you didn't pick the Misfits song I thought you were going to pick. But... I didn't pick the Misfits song because... I didn't pick any Misfits songs because I like the Misfits, but I don't feel like it would be an accurate representation of me to pick one. And I was going to pick one, because mm-hmm. I do. I think it would be a perfectly accurate representation of me to pick a Misfits song. But the only one that I felt like, you if you're going to pick a Halloween song from the Misfits, you have to pick Halloween by the yeah. Misfits. But I have a dirty secret, which is that I prefer the AFI, the AFI cover of that. Which I do as well. So, and it's not, not a slur on the Misfits who are great. I just think that the AFI cover is better. So that is on the All Hallows EP, which if I could have selected entirely just as one piece of music, I would yeah. have. There's three other songs on that. It is orange. It's I very do ha- All Halloween. I'll never forget. Before I tell you what song I picked from All Hallows, they reissued it on vinyl a couple years ago, and I, it kept getting sold out. I couldn't get one. It was really hard. It's on a 10-inch vinyl, and it was a big pain in the ass, and I've always wanted it. So this was the first AFI record I like really loved. And we were in the middle of some big fucking fight about something. I don't remember what it was. We were mad at each other. We were going to bed mad, which you're not supposed to do. And, like, the this is the bitchiest thing you've ever done in our entire relationship. I maintain I was not it bitchy. It was the cattiest thing it was you've not. ever done. It was. No. We're laying in bed mad. And it's, like, 2.30 in the morning. Uh-huh. And... You kind of did that head swivel thing a little bit, and you were like, "By the way, I saw that All Hallows was back up for order this morning, like twelve hours ago." And so, like knowing that it is sold out every time in hours, and I fly out of bed trying to get it, like you were just like, "And oh. did you get it? Yes, you did." <laughs> Here's the thing: I wasn't saying it to be rude. I was saying it because I hadn't remembered until that moment, and so I was. What would have been bitchier is if I just didn't say anything and let it sell out. But I was like, I'm not going to let us fight and keep me from telling you that the thing that you wanted was on sale. Because I believe I also had a really long day at work and I didn't get home till late and I didn't... I don't know why I didn't text you. That part I don't know. But I had I had been meaning to tell you and it would have been worse if I had not told you at all. That's true. Right? You know what my yes. theory is though? Is that you were you didn't... It's a happy accident that I got one. The point was to just stab me in the heart. To be like the last word. I'm not malicious like that. Honestly, I really just didn't remember. Every now and again. It's just I forgot. And then I was like, 
I, don't I was like, uh, I'm sure I was supposed to tell you something, but I'm not going to. And then I was like, oh, I should probably tell him. That's kind of rude. The way that you said it. But I it, didn't say it in a nice way because I was mad at you. <laughs> <laughs> you said it in a way that indicated to me that you you knew that it was probably gone and you just wanted to twist the knife. No. Because you were no, right no, no, because no, you're no, always no. right in no. those fucking things. Whatever we fight, I know that deep down you're probably right, which makes it even more annoying. But I did eventually locate one, which was good. So I'm picking Fall Children. That's a good one. Because it opens with that, as the cries start to penetrate, still there, this day we celebrate the way it now ends. And the whole thing is like very like sort of occulty Halloween and it's it's really AFI at their best. Like I yeah. love them in a lot of in a lot of their forms. I love beautiful goth, sing the sorrow. I love angry goth burials, but I love horror punk. Yeah. I think they're they're at their best there. And that song is just so great. And it makes me think of when I was young and when I like like cause the thing is horror punk is the Reese's peanut butter cup of music. Like it is the perfect fusion of two amazing things. Yeah. You it took, has a very fall feeling to it too. And so unfortunately, like Wonderful Candy, it's not done right very often. In fact, there's very few good horror punk bands. Because most of the time you get into that stupid killer clown shit again. And it seems to be like that's like the kryptonite of horror things where somebody's like, we're Stay gonna... away from the killer clowns. Don't people. do it. Don't ever do it. Don't ever do it. Like, friends don't let friends do scary clowns. In fact, fuckclowns.com. Yeah, go away, clowns. That's our new website. We're changing the name of the podcast. Go away, clowns. There have been, as far as I can tell, they've done scary clown right exactly one time. Only Tim Curry can do it. I don't even think that. You don't think he's scary? I mean, he was scary, but I, I don't know. That movie sucks. Like, he's really good in it, but, like, it's hard to be... To... What's clown is scary, then? The Joker. Oh, I don't think he's scary. He can be very scary. He's, like... No, he's a different type of scary, though. He's, like... There are times Threatening, he, There are times scary. that he's really scary, though. Eh, maybe. There are comics... I guess the cover of Killing Joke's pretty scary. <laughs> right? Dude, he's really scary <laughs> yeah, in that. Yeah, he is. I take it back. <laughs> Fuck. I was just thinking of animated series Joker. Even is... that's pretty scary. Yeah, sometimes. Anyway. Like where Batman's got him on the jetpack and he's like, let us go or we'll both die. And Batman's like, whatever it takes. And he just laughs in his face like we're both going to blow up and die. Like, are you scary that was to me yeah, as a kid? that's true. I meant to tell you, you can cut this out of the podcast if you want to. But did you see that they have that DC of yeah. villains Lego game? And Mark Hamill did the voice of Joker and Kevin Conroy, the game. What do you think this is a poster for? Oh, that's for? from the game? But the game just came out. This was a pre-release poster. Oh. It says PS4 right on it. I didn't see that part. So what you, dear listeners, cannot see is that right here in the studio, directly in front of her, <laughs> as she's looking at me to say that, oh, there is a poster that says... The Dork Knight, DC Supervillains, October 16th, 2018. All I could ever that see. That my friend Chris, who I want to shout out, good friend. Hi, Chris. Good friend. Went to Comic-Con and got this poster for me signed by Kevin Conroy because we bonded over our shared love of the animated series. It is literally the only thing you can see that's not my head. For to be fair, the part that said DC Supervillains was covered up. It was covered up right now. But it's been there for months. It hasn't left my desk since I got I don't look I at it. that shit. Whatever. 
There's all you know. If you heard of this band Prayers, I got a poster for them too. You gonna tell me about them? Okay. Should so, we talk? Are you honorable mentions? Yeah. So my honorable mentions. I had somebody's watching me on there. You already got that cover. And I had Thriller on mine. So. <laughs> um, I had Halloween by the Misfits on my honorable mentions, and mostly because you sung that to me to um, propose to me. Aw. I also. Well, I guess. Halloween by AFI. Well, I was Halloween by Creatures of the <laughs> By Creatures By way of AFI. <laughs> by way of Misfits. Um, and then my last is not really a real song. I just wanted to mention the Silver Shamrock uh, commercial. Which we Halloween already played, three. but I. You know that's London Bridge is falling down, right? <laughs> yeah, but I love it. Be what is to Halloween, Halloween, Halloween. Be what is to Halloween, Silver, Silver Shamrock. That is great, and I love that. <laughs> okay, what are your Fun fact, did you know that Jamie Lee Curtis was the curfew announcer over the loudspeaker in that? I did because you told me. Oh. So that's fun. <laughs> the difference, for those of you who care, between the Misfits version of Halloween and the AFI version of Halloween is in the verse. There's an... Uh, the AFI version has an extra chord in it for like one second. And I'm going to do the Vanilla Ice thing, which I'm going to come <laughs> back to in a second. Um... Because it's in the Misfits, it's and in the AFI version, it's and it adds just like a little bit more like fucking yeah kick ass thing, and I liked that, but I feel like it adds a little bit to the song. So when we did it, we played the extra little slides in there because I think it adds a lot to the song. Sub point. I played Under Pressure at the wedding that I was at. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. And everybody's like, oh, it's fucking... He stole that for Ice Ice Baby, which he obviously did. Right. But he's so maligned for that clip where he, sh he like breaks it down yeah, like that. Yeah, where he says... And listen to it. He's right. It drove me nuts listening to the actual version of the song because they add a little thing to make it loop. Because yeah. obviously in their main song, it doesn't loop. They play some other shit. Yeah. So... There is, there is one little change. It's not the same. And I was like, we ought to give Rob Van Winkle or whatever the hell his name actually is a break because he's right. And like, they didn't pay for that and they should have, although who cares? They paid for it eventually. Yeah. I mean, he's not still famous musician, so and he paid I feel for like it with his career. Nobody thought that was going to work. No. Uh, so they, it wasn't even the... It wasn't even the A side of that record. So everybody calm down. Also, uh, he did an awesome song at the end of Ninja Turtles 2, Secret of the Ooze. So my only other honorable mention was Tubular Bells by Michael Field because that's the Exorcist song and it's yeah. scary as fuck. I was thinking that you were going to maybe say a King Diamond song, but do you think that's not Halloween? I mean, he does a song called Halloween. Yeah. But I'm going to go ahead and give you a little prophecy, a little glimpse into the future. Uh -huh. I am going to say no presents for Christmas when we do the Christmas songs. No. So for those of you who don't know, I used to run a, a cigarette store. And basically my street gang took over the cigarette store over the course of about a year. I got hired first and then I, I you know, put in a good word for a friend and then another friend. And eventually I got promoted and hired some more people that I like knew, and we had a really good time. We were very successful running that store because we all sort of were part of the same team and everybody was on the same page. But I had a no Christmas songs rule, except for whoever closed the store on Christmas Eve 
was allowed to play No Presents for Christmas by King Diamond. The best Christmas song. It's actually, I think it might be a merciful Here you Christmas. are again, bringing Christmas back up in a Halloween episode. I think it's because when we were at Target the other day, they had all the Christmas shit up. Yeah. So I'm like feeling very adversarial and like I need to call it out. <laughs> no, I you, adversarial. <laughs> I want to fight Christmas. Remember everybody, I need you to be tweeting out hashtag abolish Christmas. But I think that wraps things up for today, right? So maybe, will you let me finish my thought? Oh, sorry. I'm talking about King Diamond. Everybody done. should listen to the one-two punch of Abigail and Them, not the song. The whole album, Abigail, Then Them, on Halloween. They're great songs. Grandma! Tell me, that's the thing I love about King Diamond. That would, if you wrote that down, mm-hmm. okay, we're going to get this guy in face paint who's going to sing heavy metal about his grandma. About the his first grandma. line of the song is grandma. Or is everybody wearing makeup? No, just him. <laughs> Uh, okay. Is it like an ode to his grandma? No, it's about how his grandma's an evil, life-sucking witch from hell. See, I think that makes it Halloween, so I'm going to add that to my honorable mention. Yeah, dude, King Diamond is fucking awesome. <laughs> we saw King Diamond a few weeks after Halloween uh, on our honeymoon, and it was badass. It was great. So, those are the honorable mentions. Number one Halloween song. Let's do it. I think I have to go with Monster Mash. It's my favorite, and it has lots of good memories. Me too. Monster Mash. Yeah, high five. I think that's the first time that we've done that. So it's so good, it's scary. <laughs> so anyway, I'm not even gonna ask you what we're doing next week because I know that you still haven't learned the lesson. So, but since we didn't, since like, it'll be a surprise. Well, yeah, to even to me. So, we'll see you next week. Thank you so much for joining us, Desert Island Society. We've got one more spooky episode for you this yep. month. If it were up to me, we would do spooky episodes all year, but unfortunately, some people want to do otherwise. So, we will see you next week. Let us know what your favorite Halloween songs are, what yep. your favorite Halloween memories are, and for fuck's sake, review the goddamn podcast. Please. Fuck. <laughs>